0: I'm so glad that I never did any at-home piercings, because that shit looks horrifying.
1: Hello, hello, hello.
0: I can't believe it's the last week of January. It's our last episode of New
1: Year, New Movie. I know. The year is already flying by. Mm -hmm. I need to, like, create a time machine or (laughs) do some sort of physics calculations because I just feel like everything is happening so quickly.
0: Yeah, it's true. I feel like January has gone by really quickly, but I also, like, didn't do anything because I got back from New York and then just, Mm -hmm. like, went straight back to work, hopped right back into, like, pod stuff. This past weekend is the first time that I went out for, like, a social outing outside of my home. Um, And also because I've been doing dry January, I just, like, have not been out and
1: about. Oh, you did dry January? Yeah,
0: I did. I did break it this past weekend. But all or nothing thinking isn't healthy, so (laughs) it's (laughs) fine.
1: I did not do dry January, but I've been trying to just be, like, chill about alcohol. And then um, I, like, threw up yesterday Mm. Friday night. But I was also, like exhausted because i went on a business trip and i like didn't get enough sleep and like yeah i think that had more to do with it than me drinking a lot honestly
0: yeah probably
1: Uh, here we are we may yeah
0: (laughs) speaking of drinking oh my god we have a fucking
1: crazy movie to talk about today insane bananas
0: yes so today
1: we are doing 2003's 13 I've been meaning to see this movie for a pretty long time because of that iconic um picture with Evan Rachel Wood and Nikki Reed and they have their tongues out and their tongue piercings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the movie was totally shocking. Mm-hmm. The content really revolves around things that I was more familiar with when I was like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the kids are just introduced to – drugs and like sex and all this stuff at such a young age
0: yeah it's pretty shocking it like is not like my experience of being 13 at all i was like yeah i was like tracy at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. from my entire like <laughs> you were like noelle <laughs> yeah exactly um <laughs> there are definitely like parts that i you know, related to in the sense like, oh, when you're 13, you just sometimes have like all of this anger because like your hormones are going crazy and you're like in this transitional age and you're like fighting with your mom and stuff like that. But this kind of more rebellious teenage experience is just like not my experience. I also grew up in Singapore where like drugs are so, so, so Illegal and like, yeah, not at all easy to access. I imagine I've never tried to access them in Singapore, so I don't even know yeah. how one Hear would that do that.
1: Singaporean government, yeah, she's never even tried. Yeah,
0: I actually didn't drink until I was 18 either, which is the legal age in Singapore. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is like so far from my experience growing up that it, it was really wild to, to watch.
1: I definitely didn't have this type of uh experience when I was 13, but I know people who like were smoking weed. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone who's really doing like hard drugs, but a lot of people who were smoking weed and stuff. And it was definitely the age where I was like, oh, I want to go to the mall by myself Mm -hmm. or I want to do like be more risky, I guess. We'll just jump into it because there's so much to talk about. Yes, this was like a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. They managed to raise two million to shoot this movie, and it made ten point one million in the box office, which proportionally, yeah, very great return. And I think it only took them um, twenty four days to film everything. Yeah,
0: super quick.
1: Yeah, and they used super 16 millimeter cameras and like lots of handheld cameras and stuff. Um, I mean, I think you can tell it's like on the lower budget and, mm-hmm. but it also adds to the chaotic nature of the film.
0: Yeah, definitely. So this movie was actually written by Catherine Hardwick, who you may remember as the director of twilight, the first film. <sighs> um, it was co-written yeah. by her and Nikki Reed, who was, uh, 13 maybe 14 at the time that they wrote it Catherine hardwick was i've seen like conflicting things in different articles and on wikipedia where they either say she was like a family friend and like friends with her mom or other ones that are like Mm -hmm. she was in a relationship with her dad for like many years and she's known nikki since she was like five years old so like she's known nikki Mm. practically her whole life but Basically, uh, Catherine Hardwick had not directed anything yet. She was like a production designer and always wanted to write a movie and was just like talking to Nikki about everything that she had been going through and was like, let's just write about this. Like, let's write about the real shit that you're going through. So they wrote it over six days over Nikki's Christmas break from school they finished the first draft, they started working on it and Katherine Hardwick had to like independently raise funds cuz it wasn't attached to a studio or anything she had never directed before. Yeah, it's basically loosely based on Nikki Reed's life and like everything she had gone through in the past like year or two prior to writing it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not clear like what is real and what is embellishment. Right. But um I did watch A reunion with the three of them that came out a few years ago uh, with Nikki, Catherine Hardwick, and Evan Rachel Wood, who plays Tracy, who is the character based on Nikki. And she just kind of talked about how she was so surprised that her family, like, let her do this and kind of air out their dirty laundry. Yeah. And that it did have, like, a big impact on her family after it came out, I'm sure, kind of putting everything out in the spotlight. But uh, she said that she was specifically inspired by experiencing her friend's uh, arrest for dealing meth when she was 13.
1: Wow. Yeah. I Because I watched that interview as well. Mm-hmm. Sounds like they had such an emotional time making the movie, mm-hmm. too. Like, the way that they had to act in the movie was, like, so heavy. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of, like, agreed, like, that was, like, a life-altering Movie for them. And it kind of like started their careers, I think, Mm -hmm. like really launched them into being more popular actresses. And then also, of course, the director. Mm -hmm. It's like a coming of age story, but also with the girls, it was like their coming of age.
0: Definitely. Because Nikki
1: and Evan were really close
0: while they filmed. Mm -hmm. And in that interview, like Evan talks about how their relationship did kind of mirror. Uh, Tracy and Evie's relationship. Because um, also at the time, Everton Rachel Wood is now openly bisexual, but at the time, like, didn't really know that and was also feeling some of those feelings for Nikki. And like, they had this really complex friendship. And the two of them actually ended up falling out during the press tour because not because of like them, but outside forces, essentially, like the media kind of yeah. comparing them or creating this competitive atmosphere between the two of them and then they just like didn't really talk about what was going on and thought like that each Mm -hmm. of them was making the other one feel bad and they just like didn't talk for a decade. And then when they were 25, they like reconnected, they sat down and like talked through everything and then like became best friends again and are still close to this day.
1: Yeah, it sounds like all very intense and I think she uses like an analogy in the interview where it's like it all happened like In a bottle Mm -hmm. and just, like, ready to explode. And also because it was Nikki's story that she wrote at 13, Mm -hmm. acting in the movie. Like, she I remember reading it. She turned 15 while it was um, being filmed. Like, it all happened so quickly. And while they were still in their teens that I think if you try to make this movie now, I mean, you can see any high school drama. It's people who are 18, 20, like – it's never that close in age. Yeah. And I think that that also aided the film being so authentic.
0: Yeah. Like a lot of the time they don't cast actual minors in stuff because legally it's a lot harder. Like there are a lot of things you have to work around labor laws and stuff like that. So that's why all the high schoolers in every CW show are like 28. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, it was definitely interesting to to see these characters played by people so close in age. It was, it, mm-hmm. it definitely made it even more like jarring.
1: I kind of want to just like get into the movie. There's so much going on here. Before we
0: dive in though, we just want to remind you that next month's Patreon movie has been chosen. And after what, like six months of being in the running? Pretty much like since we started <laughs> the Patreon almost. Yep. Pride and Prejudice is finally getting its day in the sun. Woo! So, we are super excited to release that episode. The voters have spoken. So, if you would like to listen to our Pride and Prejudice bonus episode, you can head on over to our Patreon.
1: So, we open to a highly intense scene. Tracy Freeland asks her friend, Evie Zamora, to hit her because she can't feel anything. The girls are, like, totally high. They're doing whippets. Mm -hmm. And Evie, like, slaps her across the face. And Evie asks Tracy to hit her. So they're, like, going back and forth, hitting each other. Uh, Tracy is, like, harder, like, hit me really hard. And she, like, hits her so hard that she busts her lip on her nightstand. (sighs) And then Evie takes another huff and asks Tracy to punch her really hard and like she does in her face. Evie's wearing a ring. It makes her face bleed. Yeah. So off the bat, like very intense scene. And then four months earlier. So we go back in
0: time. Four months Tracy looking very different in this scene. She's just like an innocent 13-year-old gal walking her dog Hampton with her friend Noelle. And I was like, wait, why Why do I know this voice? Who is that? Yeah. And I look closer and it is a very young Vanessa Hudgens in her film debut. Tracy's mom, Mel, you know, she she's smoking a sneaky little cig. Before getting in the car, Mel fixes Tracy's like, Cargo pants to make sure her underwear isn't sticking out. And Tracy's brother, Mason, also comes out to get a ride to school. And uh, the three of them hop in the car.
1: So they make it to school. And the way that they, like, profile the school makes it seem like a very rough school. Yeah. Like, someone randomly calls Tracy a bitch. Someone calls Noelle a puta. And I was like, okay. That feels racially motivated. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. But – um. Tracy and Noel are clearly very studious. Tracy mentions that she told herself she wouldn't get anything less than an A this year. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Mason is like hanging out with his friends. They kind of make it seem like, well, I guess depending on your school, like sixth grade is when elementary school ends and seventh and eighth grade are junior high. Mm, Yeah. And then nine through 12 is like high school. So it seems like they're at a new school. Like they've never been here before. Mm -hmm. This is the first day. Um, So Mason is like saying hi to to his friends and Tracy comes up to him to say hi. And she's like, oh, you'll never believe what just happened or something. But at first he like ignores her, Mm -hmm. like basically pretends like he doesn't know her. And then he's like, hey, like Mason, hello. (laughs) And then he's finally like, oh, guys, like this is Tracy. Mm -mm. And then Evie Zamora, played by Nikki Reed, walks by – And all the boys are just like totally gagged Mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, she grew up this summer and Evie is just like rocking a pair of really low rise jeans. She's wearing like a corset. Mm -hmm. Her hair is like beautiful. She just looks not 13. Yep. She looks like she's 18 or something. Mm -hmm. Tracy is awestruck though. She's like, I want to be her. Yeah. So
0: after school, Tracy has gone home to do her homework where her mom is doing a client's hair. Her mom has, like, a salon, like, in their back room in the house. She's doing, like, this little boy's hair. She calls out for, like, some hair gel. Tracy helps her out. And after finishing up this boy's hair, we see his mom and his twin brother whose hair she also did. She also gives them, like, the lasagna that she's made for her family for dinner All right. And then on the way out, the mom gives her, you know, the check for the for the haircuts. And she only gave her a two dollar tip and they took like half of their dinner. So I'm like, really nasty shit. That's fucked. And Tracy tells her mom that she's too generous and asks if her father sent them a check this month. And Mason's like, Tracy, lay off. He just started a new job. And her mom is like, yeah, don't worry. Like, I worked all month. We're going to be fine until the check comes in. And then Tracy asked to read her mom, the poem that she's just written when all of a sudden somebody busts in the door. Very chaotic is a woman named birdie who is F a friend, I suppose. Mm-hmm. She comes in with her daughter. This person is also played by the same woman that plays Renee Bella's mom in twilight. And she, Tracy realizes that her mom is going to go to an AA meeting with Bertie. So I guess that's how they know each other. I think so. And she's like, yeah, I haven't been to a meeting all week. I really need to go. Tracy's kind of upset because she wanted to read her mom this poem. But Mel's like, no, 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 I want to hear it. Please do read it for me. So she does read the poem. And the poem is as follows. He was crippled, but only his body was cracked. It's not simple, nor is it an easy matter to explain. Let's just leave it at that, she says, and closes the holy book of lies, covers her eyes, denying to herself what she thinks happened. And Mel is quite taken aback by this poem and is like, wow, that's that's really heavy. It kind of scares me a bit, but it's beautiful. And I want to talk about it more when I get back from the meeting. And that's when Tracy realizes that while they're at the meeting, she's supposed to babysit Kayla, Bertie's daughter, and she's like, Mom, I can't babysit tonight. I told you I have a project due tomorrow. And Mel is like, No, like, I got, I'm so sorry, but I got to go to the meeting. You know what they say? It doesn't work unless you work it. Keep coming back. And they rush out to the AA meeting. Damn.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's so hard because it's clear that Mel. Played by Holly Hunter. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Amazing actress. Incredible. It's clear that she loves her daughter and her son so much, but she is a generous mm-hmm. person. I don't think she realizes that her daughter needs more attention than she's giving her. Yeah. So... It's hard.
0: It's just hard to watch. Yeah. Cause Mel really is somebody who has the absolute best intentions. Yeah. She's just simply like stretched too thin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She needs help. She needs another person to rely on. She needs something. Cause it's, yeah. it's uh, so much to handle for anyone, let alone somebody who's also struggling with addiction, too. So,
1: yeah. It's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So we go back to school. And Noelle and Yumi are talking about Evie just, like, having great skin and how she has a scar on her back from saving her baby brother from a fire. And just, like, store that away in your memory Mm -hmm. for way later. Yep. Tracy tells them, you know, she's not Wonder Woman and, like, excuses herself. As Tracy goes to throw something out, some girls come over and make fun of her socks. And she's like, who let her out of the Cabbage Patch? So immediate confidence plummeted, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, Tracy is obviously, like, very
0: intrigued by Evie, and it's never, like, addressed in the text, but it's clear that she definitely has a bit of a crush on her, and that kind of transforms into an obsession. It honestly made me think a lot about Jennifer's body, like, the relationship between Jennifer and Needy. Mm. This, like, female friendship kind of turns into this, like, very obsessive relationship And it's like, do I want – like, do I want to be her? Am I in love with her? Like, there's so much going on beneath the surface that isn't addressed, but that really heightens the intensity of the story. Yeah. So when Tracy goes home, she is, like, very much being affected by this comment made on her socks. And she ends up, like, ripping them off and throwing them in the trash. And then she starts just, like, throwing all the stuffed animals off of her bed – And Mel comes Mm -hmm. in and is like, oh, what are you doing? And she ends up calling Tracy baby. And Tracy's like, I'm not your baby. So this is where we begin uh, the separation in their relationship. And so Mel is like, Tracy, why are your socks in the trash? Like, they're perfectly good. And Tracy's like, I'm not wearing them anymore, and I need new clothes. And her mom is like, why? And she's like, because I look stupid.
1: Her mom is quite supportive about yeah. this. And she actually, when Tracy's, like, throwing all the stuff out, she, like, helps her throw, like, stuff in the, the bin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she actually takes her shopping. Yeah. Yeah. It's like It seems like Mel is on top of it. She's like, I can fix it. Yeah. So the next day at lunch, Tracy is sitting with Noelle and Yumi. They're talking about their projects. And then Tracy's like, I have to use the bathroom. And actually follows Evie out of the cafeteria area. And she's like, cute shirt. And Evie's like, thanks. Keeps walking, like doesn't even look at her. And then Tracy's like, cute belt. So Evie finally turns around and like looks Tracy up and down. Tracy's new wardrobe is like this like punk cool, low-rise jeans, band shirt, wristbands. Mm, She's a little feathery blowout situation going on. Yes. So Evie's like, call me after school. Like, we'll go shopping on Melrose. And Tracy has Evie write her number on a notepad and then, like, dances joyfully after she walks away. She's like, yes, like, I did it. Mm -hmm.
0: So after school – Tracy is walking home with Noelle and Yumi, and they're going to go into Noelle's house. And then she's like, oh, shoot, I forgot. I have gymnastics tonight, guys. Like, can't hang out. See you later. Tracy goes back to her house where Mason is out front working on his car. And it's like, oh, Tracy, mom wants you to clean your room before she gets home. And Tracy's like, yeah, yeah. Immediately runs into the kitchen, calls Evie's number, but it's not in service. So she dials again. The number is not Uh, in service. She gave her a fake number. So Tracy is pissed and she ends up like kicking a bag of groceries in a rage and like shit spills all over the place. Yeah. And she actually goes outside and smokes like one of her mom's cigarettes. Bold. That's when she notices Mel coming up the driveway and decides to sneak out and take the bus to Melrose. I don't know if we mentioned this, but they're kind of in like a suburb – of L. A.,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so then she goes into the city to go shopping.
1: Pretty bold choices, like mm-hmm. Melrose. I, <laughs>
0: I think my parents would have killed me if I had pulled even just that. This at the very beginning of the movie, just sneaking out yeah, to go like shopping. Sneaking out, yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, like a thirteen-year-old alone on a bus downtown L. A. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we go to Melrose and. Tracy walks into a store called Red Balls. Oh, gosh. Sure. And she sees Evie and company and she's like, Hey, um, I tried calling you, but I was coming here anyway. So and Evie's like, Oh, my phone didn't ring. Like Just super rude. Yeah. And the girls are kind of like giggling at Tracy. It's clear that they don't really want her to be there. Oh, my God. Humiliating. I know. I wouldn't have even been able to like stomach that. I think I would have had to leave. Yeah. But Tracy decides to stick around. She looks at some like trinkets on the counter and she's like, oh, I only brought like $10. And then they laugh at her and shoplift just random shit. Mm -hmm. Tracy clearly doesn't want to shoplift. And she's like, I'm gonna get a drink of water and like leaves the store. And Evie and her friend, like under their breath, call Tracy a loser. Tracy is across the street, like sitting on a bench, just like, fuck. And this woman sits down next to her. She seems like some businesswoman on the phone. And she has all these bags and like just plops her shit down and is like, oh, I let me give you the number for like XYZ, blah, blah, blah. Tracy, in this moment, decides to steal the woman's wallet just right out of her purse. She goes back over to the other girls, and she's like, I totally just stole this from that woman. And there is a ton of cash in the yeah. wallet. So where do they go <laughs> to spend that cash? Skechers, naturally. Duh.
0: So yeah, they go on this shopping spree at Skechers, which like seemed out of character for these gals, but... It is the early 2000s, so I guess everybody was wearing them. They just buy, like, a ton of shoes, and they're like, keep the change, He he, hee, (laughs) hee. When Tracy eventually gets back home, she goes to her brother, who, like, he doesn't have a room in the house. He has, like, a tiny little, like, shack in the yard that he lives in. I didn't even
1: notice that. Yeah, yeah.
0: But. (laughs) He has this, like, weird little shack, and she's like, oh, hey, Mason, who do you think the hottest girl in school is? And he's like, Evie Zamora. And she's like, yeah, well, I just hung out with her on Melrose. And he's like, that's bullshit. She's like, oh, what? Is that so hard to believe? Like, she's very offended by this. Um, Yeah. The the mood swings of a teenager are present. (laughs) So Tracy then storms into the kitchen where her mom is cooking. Mel has like – A little updo going. She has a cute little top on, making dinner. And Mm -hmm. there are four places set at the dinner table. And so she asks, Mom, what's going on? And Mel is like, well, he just got back into town. It's only one dinner. And Tracy is like, why are you doing this to yourself? And at first I thought that, like, for actually a long time in the movie, I thought that this was Tracy's dad. Sam. They do not make it clear That it's not her father? No. (laughs) (laughs) Because they set it up like, oh, dad's kind of a deadbeat. Like, he's not sending the checks. And then this guy Mm -hmm. shows up who, like, clearly has a relationship with Mel. So I thought that he was her dad until about halfway through when she's like, oh, I'm on the phone with dad. And I was like, right, wait, wait, what? Right. So the doorbell then rings. Mel answers. And it is Jeremy Sisto, a.k.a. Elton from (laughs) (laughs) Clueless. Except in this movie, he's playing a man called Brady. And Mel is like so giddy to see him and they kiss. So this is actually like one of her ex-boyfriends, I guess, who has recently just gotten out of jail.
1: Was it jail or was it like an inpatient uh, rehab? I assume it's jail because she asks him about a halfway house. I wasn't sure if it was only jail or if it was also rehab. Mm, Yeah, that I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. They never say, really. They just say halfway house. Mm -hmm. And um, at dinner, Tracy asks Brady how the halfway house was. And he's like, same as the last one. Like, it's very strained, clearly. Mm -hmm. Next day after school, Tracy walks out with Evie and – They go over to her mom and, like, Tracy introduces Evie. Evie tells her she's more like the hot big sister. And that's when Tracy asks Mel to drive them to Melrose. And she's like, yeah, let's go to Melrose. So they go to Melrose and Mel is just like, oh, maybe I'll buy some platforms or some body glitter. But Tracy's like, hey, mom, could you just, like, drop us off and go run an errand? And Mel's like, okay, but I have to speak to Evie's mom first. So Evie gives her the number of her guardian, Brooke, not her mom. We find out later, like, Evie does not have a mom. She just has her cousin as her guardian. Mm-hmm. Evie is already out of the car, but Mel is like, Tracy, hold it. Like, I haven't spoken to Brooke yet. So Tracy's like, Mom, please don't do this. It's the greatest day of my life, and I will kill you if you embarrass me. And – She's pretty intense. Like, imagine telling your mom you'll kill her if she embarrasses you. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> so Mal agrees, but she does call Brooke. This scene, like, did remind me
0: a little bit of when I was thirteen, because when I was thirteen is when I, I think, asked to like go to the mall with my friends, like, by ourselves for the first time. Yeah. Same here. It was like a whole thing. Everybody's parents had to like talk to each other and make sure it was okay and like figure out who was driving who where and picking who up and everything. And so like everyone agreed. And then my parents were like, well, actually we're going to go to the mall at the same time as well and like go see a movie. And I was like <laughs> so annoyed because <laughs> I was like the whole point was that we were supposed to be by ourselves. And we ran into them a couple times and I was like, Annoyed. (laughs) Mortified. I
1: was
0: like, (laughs)
1: that's so funny. Yeah. I definitely in middle school remember going to the mall alone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I like fibbed about it. I really don't think I did. I think my mom let me go to the mall Mm -hmm. with my friend, but like she would pick us up. Like she'd drop us off and pick us up. Yeah. And I remember the reason that we went though was to like run into a cute guy. Mm -hmm. And that part I lied about because mom was like, why are you, like, suddenly you need to go to the mall, like, right now? And I was like, yeah, like, my friend Nicole, like, really wanted to go and, like, I want to go with her. Yeah. And <laughs> we're obviously trying to, like, run into these guys at, like, fucking 13. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I remember, like,
0: one of the points that I brought up to my parents when we were trying to, like, ask to go by ourselves was, like, we – I take like public transit every day by myself because like my parents worked at my school so they would have to stay until like five Yeah, and me and my brother usually just like wanted to go home rather than like sticking around school an extra hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So like we would take the train or the bus home totally fine. I'm like, if you let me do that, you're not going to let me like go to a mall by myself, which if anything is like more safe. I feel like the mall in Singapore must be like dope. There's so many. It's Singapore is like the land of a million malls. There are so many of them. I remember specifically for that day, we went to uh, Great World City. GWC is the mall that we went to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And a lot of the malls like on Orchard Road, this one specific area, um, they're all connected underground. So you can just go oh, wow. from like mall to mall, like underground, which is pretty wild. But yeah, no, malls in Singapore are great. And there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so (laughs) back to this movie where we're in, again, this weird store. Mel goes into the store where Evie and Tracy are in the changing rooms just, like, gabbing as they're trying on clothes. And Mel is like, hey, Evie, Brooke said that you're not allowed on Melrose without adult supervision. And Evie's like, oh, well, it's a good thing you're here then. And Mel's like, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the fucking point. Mm -hmm." (laughs) Mm-hmm. So Tracy then comes out in these, like, low-rise flare jeans with, like, leopard fur trim on the side. And she, like, spins around in the mirror and is like, Mom, like, what do you think? Do I look okay? And Mel is, you know, definitely realizing that her daughter is growing up. She's having a bit of a moment. And she's like, "Yeah, Tracy, you look incredible. And then she goes over and looks at the price tag and says, but not for $75. Which is expensive, especially in, like, 2003 for a pair of jeans. I would
1: say, yeah, yeah I wouldn't – for me, personally, I wouldn't spend that much on a pair of jeans. Yeah.
0: This also reminded me of that Lizzie McGuire episode where she wants those expensive jeans from the mall and her mom says no. And then she ends up, like, sneakily buying them.
1: Oh, and then she gets, like, paint on them yeah. or something. Yeah.
0: they get destroyed. And then she wears the other jeans. Yes, yeah.
1: And they look great. Aw. Ah,
0: a much more wholesome story.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, Lizzie. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tracy brings Evie back to the house and Mason and his friends are just like so excited to see her. They all hang out in the yard and Noelle comes over to join them. And then some boys are walking by and they like motion to Evie to come with them. So she's like, hey, like Tracy, like, let's go. And then Tracy's like, oh, Noel, you can't go to the park, right? And then Noelle's like, Tracy, you're not allowed to go after dinner either, but she walks off anyway. Mm. Yeah. Or Noelle. Yeah, they're really, like, not interested in hanging out with her at all. The
0: psychological warfare.
1: So they end up going to the
0: park, meeting up with these boys, and Evie is like, oh, you want to get high? It's $4 a hit. Evie has drugs, and she... is a a dealer, I guess, at 13.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I guess so. I mean, that's implied throughout. It's never really explicit. But later on, even um, Tracy says something like, oh, do you want to skip school and go sell on Melrose or something? So crazy. (sighs) I'm like,
0: who is giving 13 year olds drugs to sell that's crazy where are they getting them from
1: yeah and i'm also like isn't there is there not like a a big mean guy who's like after you 24 7 for money or right yeah like like maybe it's just a small balance that they're buying and then resell i don't know
0: in any case it's crazy and certainly was not my experience uh in middle school but (laughs) (laughs) we have this montage of the girls like getting high with these dudes in the park Evie ends up making out with one of them. Uh, They're, like, running through the sprinklers. I think one of the guys also tries to make out with Tracy, but she's, like, in her high laughing stage. So she's just like, ha, ha, whatever. They all end up, like, running through the sprinklers and stuff. And it's fully dark at this point. Like, it's probably been a few hours. Mason then comes to the park to get Tracy because, obviously – mom wants her home now since she has been Mm -hmm. missing for a hot minute.
1: Yes. So Mason brings Tracy and Evie home. The girls are still high. Brady and Mel are like at the living room table with this card game that apparently Tracy has been wanting for weeks and like has been begging her mom for. And she like grabs a bunch of the cards and just goes like Roar! I'm a lion! Which is (laughs) One of the most cringy things about this movie. <laughs> and just the most bloodshot eyes. Yeah, she's not looking great. Mm-hmm. And Mel is just, like, really confused. She's like, you hounded me about this game for weeks. And Evie brings Tracy into her room. And Tracy is like, I feel like my nose is melting off. Like, how long is this going to last? They dropped acid. Yeah, I was <laughs> shocked. Because I was like, oh, they were just smoking weed. I think they did, like, Molly or something. They Nope. I guess it's like MDMA still, but very intense drug, right? Yeah.
0: And it also lasts for
1: like 10 hours. Yeah. (laughs) So Mel goes into Tracy's room, obviously pissed off about her staying out and about her being disrespectful. And she's like, do you want me to ground you? You know, you're not allowed out after dark. And Tracy's like, mom, can I get some privacy? Like I'm changing. And Mel's like, "What? I'm not allowed to see your body anymore. Which is also a big shock for Mel because, Mm -hmm. again, her daughter is growing up. Yeah. Mel goes back into the living room with Brady and they start making out. And then Tracy is like watching them through a window at some point, like Mm -hmm. watching them make out and like canoodling and stuff. And she is enraged. And we see this flashback to... Brady doing drugs, I want to say he's smoking crack. Yeah, I think because so. Because he's using, like, a bottle as, like, a pipe, and he's, like, heating it up and stuff. And Yeah. And in the flashback, too, Tracy, like, runs over, and she's like, what's going on? Like, mom, mom. Mm-hmm. Very scary for a kid. Totally. And this was before she was 13, yeah. right? So I can imagine that she would be traumatized from that event. Mm-hmm. And I do question Mal bringing this guy back into their lives. Yeah, definitely. Tracy then goes to the bathroom and she grabs this small pair of like medical scissors Mm -hmm. and it's implied that she is doing self-harm. Yeah. That is
0: something that I hadn't thought about in like a very long time. But upon seeing it in this movie, I remember that like that was very much a thing when I was in middle school that i remember yeah. friends doing or like other girls that i knew had done
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i was like well like i hadn't even thought about that in so many years but yeah that was definitely a thing i don't know if like teenagers do that as much now but i feel like in the sure. in the 2000s i feel like it was such a prevalent
1: thing maybe it's just cuz we were around it more i mean i used to cut myself when i was in middle school that was like the most relatable part of this movie mm-hmm it was really like not a popular sounds like insane to say, but it was definitely prevalent. Mm-hmm. I know people who would like use a hair straightener to mm-hmm. like hurt themselves. Like, I don't know why it became such a thing, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just don't know if people still do that as commonly. Yeah. Cause I remember too, like teachers and like we would have like talks about mm-hmm. it and stuff like that. Or like if someone was, crying in class or something, like, they would literally be like, let me look at your arms. Like, it was so, so intense. So... Yeah. I also feel like there was just so many, like... Um, it was really common to wear, like, wristbands and bracelets and stuff. Oh, yeah.
0: I remember girls would wear, like, all of those, like, rubber bracelets and stuff to cover scars and stuff like
1: that. hmm Yeah. Very intense time. If any, like, middle school, high school teachers have experiences not necessarily with that specifically but just like what kids are going through yeah please let us know like very curious what the mental health landscape looks like now for teens yeah i feel like there's so much online and stuff because mm-hmm. like
0: social media had kind of like gained traction when we were in middle school like facebook was kind of like facebook and MySpace were what everybody had at this time yeah because there was no instagram yet stuff like that And already with that, there was the pressures of social media already creeping in. So I can only imagine how much worse it is now with, like, Instagram and TikTok Mm -hmm. and Twitter and all these – and, like, Snapchat, all these various ways that kids are connecting online. And, like, with Snapchat especially, like, that I feel like is very – would be scary as a parent because all those messages disappear. You have no way to, like, track – what your kid might be getting sent to sending what they're receiving. Yeah. Yeah. That scares me. Mm. So back to this movie in the morning, the girls find Brady and his boxers in the bathroom. This is obviously very upsetting to Tracy because she does not want him here. And she confronts her mom in the kitchen is like, I need to go to the bathroom now. Like if I don't, if I hold it, I'm going to get a bladder infection. I got to go. And Evie's like, oh, it's fine. Like, let's just go pee outside. So they go into the yard and they pee. And afterwards, Evie says hi to Mason and just starts, like, shaking her ass for him. Yeah. Randomly. And Tracy's like, oh, my God, stop. That's, like, gross. It's my brother. And then Evie just turns around and, like, lifts up her top and flashes him. That she does. And uh, Mason is in shock. The girls like walk away giggling and Evie's like, oh, who knows? Maybe I'll marry into the family. And I didn't think much of this line at first, but given the way that things go on later on, I was like, wow, Evie really is trying to be in this family.
1: Mm -hmm. So we go to school where we get this montage of Evie, Tracy, and another girl, Astrid, walking arm in arm through the halls. And they're just, like, in these low-rise jeans. They're black tops. And just, like, they rule the school. Then Tracy goes to class late with an attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Very out of character. After school, Evie and Tracy go to this, like, tattoo shop where Tracy lies to her mom on the phone. She's like, I have to be at the library. Like, do you know the difference between slope-intercept and da-da-da? So then – Evie is, like, talking to the piercer, Mm -hmm. and she's like, you can give my friend, uh, like, a tongue piercing, right? And he's like, "Um, is it okay with her mom? And she's like, she's clearly 18. This guy is so crusty and gross. Disgusting. So he agrees to do the piercing, and, like, Tracy sits down to get her tongue pierced. I think the guy, like, he says something vulgar to her.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what he says, but it's something gross. Then he like sticks sticks his tongue tongue out, out, like basically mimicking going down on a woman. Yeah. And I was like, this is a child. You're fucking sicko.
1: Yeah. So they do the piercing. They go back to the library where they're supposed to be. And while they're waiting for Mel to pick them up, Tracy is like, hey, Evie, I have to ask you. Did you ever do anything with that gross tattoo guy? And Evie's like, yeah, he ate me out. And Tracy like freaks Ugh. out and Evie's like, oh, I'm kidding, of course. Do you think she's actually kidding? I don't know at that point. I think the character is probably not kidding. Yeah. But it's pretty awful <laughs> mm-hmm. to say the least. Yeah, because it's always they're always hanging out with guys that are like so much older than them. And it's just like, mm-hmm. like, that's so disgusting. It's just unfathomable. But it's it's like pretty true. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're a 13 year old who has no adult supervision, you're kind of just like bobbing around. Maybe you're doing drugs and getting into that. Mm-hmm. These men are not going to care, which they should be responsible enough to be like, this is not a thing. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. You know,
0: Yeah, I kind of went back and forth because I know, you know, at 13, there's a lot of talk. Sometimes people lie because they want to seem cool or whatever. But the reason that I kind of second-guessed it later on is because, like, jumping ahead. Obviously, like, something happened between her and Javi in that dressing room. Yes. And she lies to Tracy about it. For sure. So then I maybe thought back to this and I was like, oh, I wonder if she was lying here, too.
1: I don't know. Pretty much all throughout the movie, everything that Evie says, I constantly question if she's lying or not. Yeah. A lot of lying coming from her. Yeah. So
0: we go back to Tracy's house. Mel is talking to Cynthia, who is like one of her friends slash also her client. She's doing her hair and she's talking about how her ex-husband isn't making the time to see Mason and Tracy – Meanwhile, Tracy and Evie come in. They have actually stolen, like, Mason's t-shirts and cut them up and added, like, rings and shit. And they're doing Lil' Dance. They're very giddy. Mel then offers to make them some sandwiches, but Tracy doesn't want to eat. This is where we also get some, like, very um yeah. eating disorders talk. Start, kind of starts up at this point in the movie. And we don't really see Tracy eat, like, through the rest of the movie at this point Mm -hmm. so tracy goes over to like the washer and dryer and ends up seeing brady's clothes in the hamper and gets really upset and asks her mom like how many times she's gonna let him fuck her over it devolves into like this whole fight tracy is running out and mel is trying to talk to her While like there's literally a a client there, Mm -hmm. the timer dings for Cynthia's hair because I guess she's bleaching it or whatever. So Mel has to like stop mid-fight to go and rinse out Cynthia's hair. Tracy is like crying and freaking out. And then Cynthia is also freaking out because she can't find her purse. Yeah. Tracy is like super frustrated. And while Mel is rinsing out Cynthia's hair, we see that, of course, Evie has Cynthia's purse.
1: Of course. So later on, she gets her purse, and she's outside about to pay Mel, and she's like, oh, I could have sworn I had cash in here. Oh, I'll just have to write you a check. But Mel's like, don't worry about it. Uh, Just pay me next time, and before you go on your date, like, run some gel through your hair like this. Mel, take the check. You need money. Oh, I think that she said she does not have to pay her because she knew – one of the girls stole her money mm. and she was trying to make up for it. Right. But yeah, like she's getting screwed. Yeah. So Mel goes inside and knocks on Tracy's door and she's like, do not pull a stunt like that in front of a client. And Tracy tells her that her dad is on the phone with the baby and closes the door. So Mel goes into her room and lights a cigarette and like pulls out an ashtray. And then Evie knocks on the door and Evie is like, is everything okay? And that's when Tracy tells her she thinks it's time for her to go home. But Evie is like, Brooke is at a convention in Bakersfield. Did you get her email? A convention for her bartending job? Question mark. Mel obviously did not see this email.
0: And Evie is like, oh, I hope it's okay for me to stay here. And Mel is like, well, I guess it's going to have to be. And that's when Evie says that Brooke's boyfriend hits her. She, like, shows her this scar that she has on her neck. I think she said something about how, like, he – He pulled her hair and knocked her into something. Yeah, he threw her against a van or something like that. So Mel looks at the marks on her necks and asks about Evie's mother. And Evie tells her that she passed away. And this really does touch Mel, and she says that she also didn't have a mother at her age either, so she knows how hard it is, and she gives her a hug. That's when Tracy comes in and says that Dad wants to talk to her and hands her the phone. And so she talks to Dad on the phone for a minute. Basically, after this phone call, Mel has to break the news to Tracy that she and Mason are not going to stay with their dad this weekend. Yeah. Because he has some sort of like black tie event with NASA for his new job. I'm like, what job? I know. We never know. We (laughs) never find out. Tracy is very upset by this. And Mel is like, but he said that uh, he'll try to have brunch with you on Sunday. But Tracy is really pissed off. Mm -hmm. Understandably. I mean, their dad is flaked on them. And it seems like this is a pretty consistent pattern. I did read um that Nikki Reed I think in like 2012 or something when talking about this movie says that she kind of regrets some of the ways that she portrayed like her family in the movie because yeah. it it was from the perspective of a child so obviously she doesn't she's not seeing the full picture what's going on in like these private conversations between her parents it's harder to see that nuance especially when you are a kid cuz all you're seeing is like how it's impacting you so she says that you know my dad wasn't like totally just the deadbeat that I made him out to be in the movie. Like it was a much more complicated situation than that. But I mean, that's the thing that's really interesting about this movie, which is that it is a coming of age story from the perspective of a child, which we never really get to see because pretty much every coming of age story is always written in retrospect. Right. So that's why this movie does feel so raw and like messy, not in like like an unpolished, like, oh, this was badly done way, but just it is very raw and chaotic and messy because that's how you feel when you're a kid, when you're in that
1: position. Yeah, I agree. And it's also like the gravity of everything you do Mm -hmm. feels like this is the penultimate choice you're ever going to make in your life. Totally. Everything is life and death. Exactly. And that's why the film is so – Pressure-inducing and overwhelming because that's how it feels internally. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say in this scene where Edie talks to Mel one-on-one, mm-hmm. she is just like over the moon to get this attention yes, from Mel, absolutely, and like have her hug her and comfort her. And you can clearly tell that she she like wants this female figure in her life that cares about her so badly.
0: Yeah, she does not have, like, a parental figure, really, in her life.
1: No, not at all. She doesn't have
0: a support system. Because when we meet Brooke later, like, yeah, this person is not equipped to be taking care of a teenager.
1: Yeah, and it's especially sad to see because, like, even when she does get the attention, it's always in, like, in opposition of Tracy, Mm -hmm. where it's like – Oh, your mom – it's not like, oh, your mom's so nice. Like, she's so nice to me. Like, you're really lucky. It's always like she's trying to be her daughter and replace Tracy. It's super weird and toxic. Yeah, definitely. Later on, Tracy goes into her bedroom where Evie is smoking a cigarette. And she's like, my mom is going to kill you if she catches you. But Evie basically doesn't care. And then Tracy hides her cigarette as Mel walks by Then Tracy shows Evie the belly button ring she stole from the piercing shop. And, like, (laughs) infection Mm o'clock. And she asks Evie to pierce her belly button right then. Oh, my God. And Evie is like, it's going to hurt a lot more than the tongue. And she's like, that's okay, and, like, puts her stuffed animal in her mouth. And Evie proceeds to pierce her, but she, like, fucks up somehow and runs to the bathroom and Mel's like is everything okay and evie's like oh yeah we just spilled a coke lol and i'm like yeah my coke you mean like her blood yeah i'm like you're not even gonna ice it
0: first a la the parent trap just fucking sewing needle through her skin oh really bad horrible yeah i'm so glad that i never did any at-home piercings Cause that shit looks horrifying.
1: Yeah, I don't think I ever did anything like that, but I did. I've done stick and pokes. Yeah, <laughs> which was that, like, that's also like when you're older too. Mm. But yeah. I will say, like, I don't know if people still do a lot of stick and pokes. It kind of was like a moment that passed. But yeah, I talked to one of my tattoo artists once, and she was like, "You guys are doing stick and pokes like people your age," mm-hmm. and. It's, like, a recipe for HPV. Like, no one's wearing gloves. People are being so insanitary. Mm. And it's true. Like, yeah. I would see people all the time doing stick and pokes, not wearing gloves, At, like, not washing their hands shit, beforehand. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, that is not – it's an open wound. Like, a tattoo is an open wound. Yeah. And that shit was, like, crazy. That's why I never let anyone do it to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was, like, I'm not going to get some weird infection. Mm-hmm. But –
0: yeah. God, I forgot about the stick and poke craze. That was like when we were in college yeah. and everyone was doing it. Mm-hmm. I didn't fall into the the trap of peer pressure. <laughs> Made it out alive. <laughs> so later that night, after this whole piercing debacle, that shit looks infected, by the way. Totally. Evie, <laughs> yeah. Evie tells Tracy, like, oh, it's so cool that you're not scared of needles. That way we can go and get more piercings and we can get tattoos.
1: And they share this, like, very intense look together. It's very intense. It's very, like, well, now we can get, like, piercings together and more Mm -hmm. tattoos together. And it's just, like, that desire to be accepted and to be unconditionally loved Mm -hmm. where you're basically open to just doing anything and, like, making all of your decisions together.
0: This is like, escalated so quickly. It's probably been, like,
1: a couple weeks that they have been friends. Right. It's this – really weird irony about sisterhood where female friendships can be so intense and so mentally draining and this is maybe a product of environment like i don't think it's just like oh being a woman you're you're such you're so in touch with your emotions but like because i would say a lot of women do talk about their emotions and like are feeling mm-hmm. everything whereas male friendships tend to rely more on common interests and less on yeah they're more activity based yeah mm-hmm. and less on like these emotional connections it's just like being someone's best friend they dump everything on you like all of their emotions and what they're feeling and it's like their body image is they're you're comparing each other mm-hmm. and it gets so out of hand so quickly.
0: No, I literally, I saw like a TikTok the other day, just talking about how like women will go, I mean, this obviously like, you know, generalizing, but like women will go out and just like have dinner together for like five hours and talk about like everything going on in their lives and like their hopes and their dreams and like their relationships and all this stuff and like make eye contact the whole time. And men when they hang out will like have their attention focused on either an activity or a piece of media or something like that and they sit side by side Mm. rather than across from each other i was like oh that's interesting i never really thought about it that way
1: fascinating
0: i mean obviously this is just a generalization not every friendship is like this but
1: yeah yeah and i mean i think that's also why a lot of men who are in relationships their partner ends up being their best friend because Mm -hmm. it's really difficult for a lot of straight men to talk about their emotions with their other friends unless you have like a really tight and open friendship. It does become something that's like ultimately intertwined with intimacy. Yeah. Like physical intimacy. Mm -hmm. Someone give us a PhD.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's so true. And like, Yeah. That's why I think a lot of times women will find themselves in relationships with men where they are the sole um, emotional support for them. And that's just not healthy. No. And it's just a lot more normalized for women to be emotional supports for each other. But there's just not as much room for that in, like, society
1: for for male friendships. Mm -hmm. The point is, it's a very intense relationship. Yes. Yeah. I would say any female friendship can be Mm -hmm. escalate to be very intense. So after this moment, Mel ends up coming
0: into the room and, you know, Tracy has to quickly hide her infected belly button ring. Mel is like, hey, I have a surprise for you. And she pulls out a pair of jeans that Mel has sewn the leopard fur trim on the side of, which is like. So sweet and thoughtful. Like, she wanted yeah. to still give Tracy these jeans, even though she couldn't afford them. Tracy is like very ungrateful. And the only thing she says is like the fur was thicker in the store. Pretty ungrateful. Mm-hmm. A big slap in the face to Mel. But Evie actually is like, wow, these are so cool, Mel. Like, great job. And I did find it interesting that a lot of the times Evie is actually like far nicer to Mel. Mm hmm than tracy is whereas like you would think that this like bad influence would be the mean one but she's actually like way more polite to mel but i guess you know because she's trying to be her daughter so mel then tells tracy that tomorrow she needs to sit down and like do all of her homework maybe go to noel's like she's been calling and tracy's just like yeah i know and Mel's like, okay, goodnight. And she tries to, like, lean over and kiss Tracy goodnight, but Tracy just turns away. And as Mel is pulling away, Evie kisses Mel on the lips. Yeah. And is
1: like, I love you, Mel. Goodnight. Evie has a really messed up relationship with adults. hmm Dying for someone to really care about her and her well-being. hmm and also, like, fucking with every adult in her life and lying to them.
0: Yeah. So Mel is obviously, like, very shocked by this. And Tracy's shocked, too. Yeah. And Tracy's just like, Mom, don't come into my room and mess with my stuff. Okay? And she kind of starts, like, going off on her mom. And Mel just, like, closes the door in her face. hmm Because, like, I wouldn't want to hear that either after I just did this very nice gesture. So Tracy is pissed off and, like, whispers, like, oh, fuck you, under her breath as she goes back to the bed. And when she gets back in bed, this guy, KK, who was one of the guys from the park that they were getting high with, knocks on the window to pick up Evie. Evie's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the park with him. And Tracy just kind of stares at her and Evie's like, what, Like, do you want to come or something? And Tracy's like, uh, yeah. And Evie goes, oh, no, like, it's just going to be the two of us and hops out the window and leaves with him. Tracy is very upset. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's probably a mixture of feeling left out, feeling jealous, and she ends up going to the bathroom. And this time, I think we actually do see that she uses the scissors uh, to harm herself. And we see that she has a lot of other scars as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So Evie comes back later and she gets into bed with Tracy and she sees, like, the blood through the sleeve of Tracy's shirt. And she, like, kind of cuddles up to her and she's like, I love you, and kisses her on the neck. I kind of feel like Evie gets a sick thrill out of seeing the emotional impact she has on people. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. I think, again, because she doesn't get that attention from adults, if she sees that she does – Mm -hmm. affect somebody in some way, that kind of satiates
1: that. It's like, oh, wow, they really care about me. Mm -hmm. So in the morning, Tracy wakes up and looks over, but Evie isn't in bed. So she goes out to the kitchen, and Evie is having breakfast with Mel, Mason, and Brady, like the four of them as if they're a family. Mm -hmm. And Tracy is really taken aback by everyone eating together. And her mom is like, oh, Tracy, come sit down. Like, have some oatmeal with us. But she's like, I'm on a diet. And Brady is like, come on, you can put some chocolate chips in it. It really tastes great. And Mason's like, yeah, come on, Trace. Like, you get mean when you don't eat. And she's like, fuck you, Evie, let's go. The amount of times she like says,
0: fuck you to and in front of her mom, I'm like,
1: that's crazy to me. Pretty insane. And Mel asks Evie to let her speak to Tracy alone for a second. And Mel asks Tracy if Brooke has a boyfriend. And Tracy is like, she dumped him like he's in Orlando now. So I think Mel is aware that they need to have some space and mm-hmm. Evie needs to go home. Yeah. But I think I would have been upset as well if I had seen that with my friends. Like I remember when I was younger, my parents were frequent like chaperones on school trips. And I mm-hmm. if I saw them being nice to another kid or like thought that they were like getting along really well, I'd be like – insanely jealous internally because like mm. that's you know my dad like I want yeah you know mm-hmm. so I totally get that but it's it's sad too because Mel really loves Tracy mm-hmm. but Tracy just isn't like feeling it right now like she really doesn't can't see that like can't push aside the other stuff that's going on to see how much her mom loves her totally yeah <laughs> this note <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, this is what's (laughs) happening. Like, There's nothing else to say. So, uh, listeners, let me read
0: you the the note for this next scene. (laughs) At school, Tracy, Evie, and some other girls stand around being bitches. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure they're, like, standing by the dumpsters, like, just gabbing away. Yeah. And that's when this kid, Javi, comes up to them and is like, Tracy, like, can I talk to you? it's like, let
1: me holler at you.
0: Yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> so he pulls her aside. He asks if she would want to kick it sometime. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I really would. And he asks for her number. Evie immediately jets up and is like, oh, here's my cell phone number. Like, you can call her on my phone. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, cool, walks away. Once he is, like, literally four steps away, all the girls, like, <laughs> giggle and scream. They're like, oh, my God. Ah! That felt very familiar to me. The Oh, yeah. The absolute fucking hysterics. If, like, anyone had any attention from a boy, we'd be like, oh, my God.
1: What a time. <laughs> I feel like they still do that. I remember the first time I met your boyfriend. Oh, yeah, I that is like. True. I was like, excuse me, I need to talk to you privately. And then you're like,
0: "Ah, he's so cute. Yeah, so he came to a party, a Halloween party that Mo was throwing. Literally four steps in the door, you meet him. Then you're like, Christina, can I talk to you in the bathroom for a second? (laughs) Immediately pull me two steps into the bathroom. And you're like, he's so cute. And I was like, (laughs) I know. (laughs) but at least now you know we we do it behind a closed door rather than literally right in front (laughs) oh my god that reminds me i saw a tiktok the other day and it it was posted by like a child because these kids are like in middle school right and it was like the girl and like all of her her group of like girlfriends and like the guy Mm -hmm. and his whole like group of guy friends and they all like met in the parking lot for this girl and this guy to have their first hug and I was like,
1: oh my God, oh I saw my that God. too. Yeah. I saw that too. Like, she's coming. She, he's coming. Yeah, he's coming. coming. She, no, quick, no, quick, quick, put your books down. <laughs> the trauma. <laughs> the fucking trauma. Oh my God. The touch of um, another. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, back to some more trauma. After school, Tracy. Tells the girls that she doesn't want to have like Javi over to her house and like meet Mason because she like he's a loser. She doesn't want him to see her house. I think the loser's Brady. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. That makes sense. And Astrid is like, oh, we could go to my house. But Evie is like, oh no, we can go to mine. Like Brooke is going to be working, but I can only have one friend over at a time. And like Astrid and Tracy both assume that She means that only Astrid can come, because obviously they've been friends for longer. Right. But then Evie looks at Tracy and then is like, sorry, Astrid. And they walk away, and it was like, ooh, devastating for Astrid.
1: Yeah, big blow. So they go to Evie's house for the first time, and there are all these, like, surfer guys out front who look... Like, 18, 20s. Yeah, young. And Tracy's like, oh, my God, all these hot guys live here. But Evie's like, oh, they're old news. And by the way, Brooke is my cousin, not my mom. She says this the entire movie. Yeah. And then they go into Brooke's house, and Evie is like, Tracy, Brooke, Brooke, Tracy. And Brooke is like, hey, Tracy, um, your mom's been calling and gives her the phone to, like, call her back. And then Brooke asks uh, Evie to get her another beer. Tracy immediately has put the phone down. Like, she's not calling her mother. Yeah. And walks over to where Evie is. Evie hands her a beer. And Tracy's like, "Um, Brooke is right there. And she's like, relax. She's cool. You can tell, like, her apartment is a mess. She seems like a mess. Yeah. She's, like, really self-obsessed. Like, most of her scenes, she's looking in a mirror. And – She asks for the time and realizes like she's super late and then she notices that they have beers and says no more than one because you have homework. No more than one? And like that's the threshold. (sighs) And Evie is like oh they were removing asbestos from the locker room today so we did all of our homework during gym period. No worries. Absolute lies. Biggest lie. So the girls go into Evie's bedroom and they're like
0: super giddy about Tracy hanging out with Javi tonight. And then Evie gets a phone call from Javi himself asking Tracy if they can hang out tonight. Like he'll bring Ruben too. And Evie's like, yeah, come over right now. And they're like so excited. Like, oh my God, you're going to get to make out with Javi. And then Evie asks Tracy if she knows how to kiss. And Tracy's like, yeah, I practice with Noelle by watching Cruel Intentions. Evie like kind of gives her this look and Tracy's like, oh, what do you want me to prove it? And so she leans over and kisses Evie and Evie's like, I barely even felt that. So then things get even more intense and she actually ends up like straddling her on the floor and the girls make out for a bit and then – Brooke is like, hey, guys, I'm leaving. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. So basically anything (laughs) they want. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, again, there's, you know, obviously a lot of not even undertones, overtones at this point that there's like some sexual tension between Mm
1: -hmm. Tracy and Evie. For sure. So that night, Ruben and Javi come over and they all hang out. They're drinking beer. They've lit like 50 candles on the coffee table. Yeah. And Javi's like, what music are you guys listening to? And he turns it off and he's like. <laughs> and I really thought it was going to be good because I was like, oh, they wouldn't like make this poor child rap in this movie unless he was talented. <laughs> no, nope. <And> they did. <laughs> That's what they did, actually. So he turns the music back on, but to like a slow R&B type of song. And the girls just start making out with the boys Tracy copies Evie by getting on Javi's lap and she notices that Evie's like also taking her top off. So she takes her top off.
0: Yeah. She's got her eye on Tracy like the whole time or she has mm-hmm. her eye on Evie the whole time.
1: Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. And um, Evie is also looking at her at points and like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely, it feels almost like the men are surrogates. Totally. For them making out because mm-hmm. they're so just in tune with what the other person is doing,
0: you know? Yeah, and then there's also the competition element on top of it Mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, you're going this far? I'm I'm going that far too. Oh, let me take it a little bit further. Oh, now you're going to take it a little further?
1: Like, it's – oh, it's so toxic. Yeah. (sighs) So later on, Tracy is like looking at the candlelight and she's just like, we're so perfect for each other. If everyone marries someone from a different race, then in one generation – there would be no prejudice. And I'm like, Nikki Reed, did you write that line? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that's true. (laughs) And then Evie asks her if she had a good time and like cuddles up to her. Yeah. They're like spooning. Yeah. And Tracy tells her she did, but it didn't taste good. And Evie's like, oh my gosh, we didn't go over that. LOL. This scene was also uh,
0: interesting because it's like after something sexual has happened, obviously, like it's implied that, um, Tracy gave him a blowjob.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Normally, like, after a sex scene in a movie, you would see that couple together. Right. But instead, we see Tracy and Evie spooning. Mm-hmm.
1: I definitely thought she was talking and we were going to zoom out and see Hobby. So when I saw Evie, I was like, "Yeah, whoa. Wow. Yeah. So the next day,
0: Tracy and Evie are hanging out in Tracy's front yard. And Evie asks – Tracy to put some sunscreen on her back. And that is when we actually see a, a clear shot of the scar on her back. It's like a pretty large burn on her yeah. skin. And that's when the neighbor slash Mason's friend, Luke, AKA Life lifeguard, boy. lifeguard boy drives by and he like looks at the girls. The girls are looking at him and Evie is like, who is that? So Tracy fills her in and is like, oh, yeah, his parents moved away and left him the house. So he just lives there alone now. So Evie walks over to him in his car
1: and is like, hey, do you have any beer? Wow. (sighs) So they go to Luke's house and Evie tells him that he's so lucky. Like she would love to have a house to herself. And she gets three shots and gives one to Tracy. She takes one. And that's when Evie and Tracy start like grinding on each other. They're dancing. And Luke tells them that he's gonna call up some of his friends. But then Evie's like, no, like we should make a Luke sandwich. And they like start dancing on him. Yes. And Luke tells them that they're jail bait. And Evie's like, listen, I won't tell anyone. And Luke does keep saying no, but Evie like pushes him to the couch and begins making out with him. And she's like, it's not illegal to kiss. And at this point, he is like, not declining any longer. Yeah. And Evie tells Tracy to come over. And she's like, check out his white boy ghetto lips. And Tracy comes over and kisses him. And like, they start making out. And while they're making out, Evie is like, where's your bong? And he motions over. So Evie picks up his bong, but Luke is like, hey, come back here, as he makes up with Tracy. And like, Luke takes his shirt off. Like it's it's just getting more and more intense. Yeah. And Ugh. Evie is like, it feels good. We know you want it. And that's when he like, thank God, gets up yeah. and is like, Jesus. get out of my house, get out, like just get out, leave. Mm-hmm. Um, Evie is really upset. She's like, get your hands off me, you pervert. And he just keeps yelling for them to get out. And um, Tracy's like, we're leaving. We're going. Like, please stop. So it's just incredibly, incredibly intense. And, like, the girls just keep putting themselves in these dangerous positions over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. And these dudes keep, like, going for it. Like, oh, it's so gross. Like, these are children And it's also, like, I feel like it is – does feel so intense because this is also – it's a single shot. Uh, We never cut away. It's just a one – it's a one-take situation. And the camera kind of, like, circles all around them. Um, And I did read that when they filmed this, they had, like, everybody's parents were there – they had like many crew members. They also were, like a social worker on set and like oh, the whole thing was choreographed as well because like well, good, you have I mean. to because the, yeah. they were children when they filmed this. They were 14, 15. Right,
1: right.
0: But yeah, there's Damn. there's one interview I saw where Evan Rachel Wood said that all of like the kissing scenes and stuff were very uncomfortable because her parents were there like well, yeah. watching because you have to. You have to have their parents there. But yeah, this this scene is very unsettling. And I'm glad that nothing further happened, but it reminded me of this book that I actually read when I was in middle school that I was like way too young to be reading. And my mom certainly did not know what it was about when I like bought it at the bookstore, I'm sure. And it's about this 14 year old girl who like developed very early. So she has like boobs, she looks a lot older than she actually is. And she ends up uh, entering into a relationship with an older guy who's like i think he's like 24 and she tells him that she's like 18 or 19 she actually ends up like losing her virginity to him and later on she tells him that she's 14 and he like freaks out she has a pregnancy scare and it was like a very intense book that i read when i was way too young to be reading it um
1: damn yeah that book sounds really intense mm-hmm. there are some books that i read in middle school that were like i was like who gave this to the library yeah Yeah. (laughs) but some books were good like there was a series it's like a series with this girl named alice who's the main character she's being raised by her dad her mom passed away and it's like a coming of age series of novels and it's kind of like verging on adult themes but it's also like oh She's like growing into her body and like mm-hmm. uh learning about being an adult and stuff. Mm. Yeah. My I mean, my favorite book series that
0: I read when I was in middle school was like The Click. I loved. And oh my
1: gosh.
0: <laughs> also toxic. Um and also the Airhead series by Meg Cabot. I loved. Oh my gosh. Love a little Meg Cabot book. Yeah. But anyways, (laughs) we can get back to this movie. So the girls head back to Tracy's house, obviously pretty shaken up by what just happened. And Mel is unloading the groceries. Mel asks for, you know, a hand carrying all the stuff in. And Tracy just yells, Mom, I'm not your fucking slave. And they go inside. And I was like, Jesus Christ. So the girls like rush into the house to go to the bathroom and brush their teeth because obviously like they smell like alcohol. And cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So Mel goes in after them and like bangs on the bathroom door. And Mel tells Tracy that this isn't how she raised her, like to be so disrespectful. And Tracy just like goes off on her and is like, You and your stupid boyfriend need to just get out of my life. And then Mel asks if they've been drinking. And Mason comes in. He's like, of course she has. She's always fucking drinking. And everyone just starts, like, yelling at each other. It gets really intense Mm -hmm. until um, suddenly they hear a child crying in the back. And it is Kayla who has arrived here with her mother, Birdie, who is asking to crash here for a couple of days until her next check comes in.
1: Not even asking. She's, like, telling. Right. She's like, I thought I could crash here for a few days. Like, yeah. is, she, is she supposed to say no to you yeah. and Kayla? So Tracy is really pissed off, like heads to her
0: room. Mel follows after them and she just sees like Tracy and Evie shoving a bunch of like clothes and things into drawers. It's all their stolen goods that they have yeah. accumulated. So Mel asks where this all came from and Tracy says that Brooke bought it for them. So, Mel tells Tracy that they need to have a talk, and Tracy's like,
1: I have a lot of homework. Yeah. So, the next thing we see, Mel is pretty much sobbing on the phone, talking to her sponsor about how Tracy's behavior is really starting to scare her, and she just wants to make it stop. It seems like a pretty positive conversation. Mm-hmm. Mel's like, oh, that's why you're such a hard ass. You're my sponsor. Like, I'm going to try. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then the next thing we see, Mel is getting her makeup done by Evie and Tracy. And it looks like they're having a really fun time. Like, it looks like they're yeah, finally improving their relationship. And the girls go with Brady and Mel to the movies. Like, it all seems really nice. They're kind of having like a family night. And Mm -hmm. they're going to go see the Jack Black movie. It's like the misadventures of Ezekiel Balls. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, that totally would be a Jack Black movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, the adults are going to see just like this war movie that Tracy gets out of because she's like, I'm a pacifist. Like, I can't see that movie. Mm -hmm. So they go to their respective theaters, except, of course, the girls go into the theater and walk right back out. Because they're going to go sneak around Hollywood and, like, get high. So the girls walk around. They come across some guys who are, like, rapping. Evie sells some drugs. Javi sees them and kisses Tracy and then, like, gets up to do his rap. (laughs) And Evie sends Tracy to go get them some sodas and tell Conrad to come over when he's on his break.
0: He's, like, I guess the
1: cashier at the convenience store or something yeah so tracy is like flirting at the register at this convenience store and mason and his friend comes in and they start like making sexual comments about tracy only seeing her from behind i think mason's like hey why don't you back that ass up and his friend says something she has like a massive whale tail situation Mm -hmm. going on then she turns around and like All three of them are shocked. Mason sees her belly button ring. Tracy's like in basically a a short bra. And has her entire stomach exposed. Mm-hmm. She is like, fuck it and leaves. And then Mason's friend like hands her the Coke. She's, he's like, oh, you forgot your sodas. And she's like, it's fine. I didn't pay for them anyway. And he's like, oh, you probably don't need to with that like fine ass or some shit like that. Oh, God. Tracy goes back over to the wrappers, but Evie isn't there anymore. And some random guy has like alcohol and offers her some. And she drinks it. He's like, oh, this is voodoo juice. Crazy. Yeah. Like, don't know what's in there. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, oh, we can go find her if you want. So Tracy's like, yeah. They go try to find Evie. But Tracy is, like, incredibly fucked up at this point. Like, I can only imagine what she drank was not just alcohol. Yeah. This guy is like. Hey baby Like you want to give me A blowjob And she's like "Oh no So eventually They do find Evie In some Like changing room With Javi She comes out Like wiping her mouth Yeah It's not Good And Evie is like Javi spilled soda On his pants Like he couldn't perform And Tracy is like What the fuck Is wrong with you Do you even know What time it is And drags her Out of the store <sighs> Yeah, so obviously the
0: girls are in trouble because they were not at the movie theater when it ended. And Evie's like, no, like we just went to go to Starbucks to get something to drink. Obviously the parents do not buy this. Yeah. When they go inside, Mason asks Mel to talk in private. Obviously he wants to tell her that he saw Tracy out and
1: Mm -hmm. spill the
0: beans. Mel's like, okay, okay, I'm just going to make some tea. Evie goes to help her. And then Tracy goes over to Mason and threatens to tell their mom that he smokes pot. And Mason's like, Mom already knows. Like, nice try. You're busted. And then Tracy tries to like attack him. She like jumps on him and he's sitting on the couch with Birdie. I don't know what she's doing. She's like playing with his hair or something. She like is drawing a little like tattoo on his neck or something. Yeah.
1: And she's even just know. like
0: sitting there. So while Tracy is trying to attack Mason, she actually ends up like punching Birdie in the face. And her and Mason start fighting. He calls her a slut. Tracy ends up like the every all the adults come back in to pull them apart tracy pushes mel off of her and mel is like tracy have you even had anything to eat today and then tracy yells at her to stop with the food thing like i don't want to eat any of your fucking like disgusting store-bought food it's very intense mel is like okay fine then i'll stop doing 12 haircuts a day so i can afford groceries it's very intense. Tracy ends up like storming off to her room. Mel goes into the kitchen and starts just like kicking shit around. She destroys a box of cereal. She ends up ripping the flooring up from the kitchen floor. Brady and Mason come in and she's like, I, to- I told you guys that we need a new floor. Brady goes over to Mel and she's like crying and just kind of starts laughing. She's clearly very overwhelmed as she's kind of like coming down. Tracy just yells mom in this fucking grating high-pitched voice Mm -hmm. and Brady is like don't worry I'll take care of it it's fine so we go into Tracy's room she's really pissed off because Kayla and her and like their dog are sleeping Mm -hmm. in her bed and she's like where the fuck am I supposed to sleep and Evie's like oh it's fine if we move the dog like we can all share But Brady's like, listen, I got it. I got it. He picks Kayla up and, like, takes her elsewhere to sleep. We see that there's also pee on the bed. Yep. And Tracy starts yelling for her mom to come and deal with it. But Brady is like, I got it. Just give your mom a break. Okay? And so then Tracy tells him not to tell her what to do. She calls him a cokehead and says that he's a loser. So... Brady just drops the sheets, walks away, and slams the door.
1: Very intense interchange. It's just like yeah. – It's hard because obviously Tracy is making bad decisions. hmm But she has like no space. She doesn't feel like her home is her home. Yeah. And I would be just as upset if I were in a similar situation. Like I came home – and there's just someone else sleeping in my bed it's like what the fuck like i can't even have this like one spot to myself and i mean she doesn't realize it but not having space from evie is also
0: contributing to her oh yeah mood swings because again she is with this girl
1: 24/7 absolutely so brady goes to mel's room and in the bathroom he undresses mel and puts her in the shower to just like calm her down and Mel's like, I can't do this anymore. That's when Brady leaves to go into the bedroom. And Mel actually like gets out of the shower and goes into her room. Brady is packing up his things. And he's not mad, really. He's just like, this place is fucking with my head. Like, I want to get loaded. And she tells him to go see Mario and says he'll read the big book in that scratchy voice. Don't really know what that means exactly, but he I is. Th- I think it's like go to a meeting. Oh, okay. Or
0: something. And like he'll maybe read some of the, I don't know, like the text that they read at AA. I'm not really sure. That's kind of what I assumed, but it
1: doesn't, mm-hmm. we don't know who Mario is. Is he the guy who's 12 years sober or is that someone else? Maybe. I can't remember. No, I have no idea. But anyways, Brady is like I know what to do and kisses her goodbye. Meanwhile, the girls are snorting something. I don't know if it's like Adderall or coke or what. There's a there's a
0: pill bottle next to them, so I assume oh, okay. it's like something that they've crushed up and are snorting. Yeah. They're snorting it off of like a children's book by the way, which is Oh my god. A jarring or- image. Yeah.
1: yeah. So Tracy's like, "Evie, What were you and Javi doing in the closet? And Evie's like, nothing, Bendeja. Like, he's your guy. Lies. Yeah. Evie cannot tell the truth to save her life. Mm -hmm. The next day,
0: it's the morning, and we see the girls are putting, like, frozen spoons under their eyes for their eye bags. Cynthia, who is Mel's friend slash client, has come over And Mel's like, okay, I'm going to call Evie's mom. Cynthia, you're going to talk to the girls. They meet up with the girls in the kitchen, and they bring Mason in, too, because Cynthia says that this family needs some healing. Mel says that she tried to reach Evie's mom, but the phone has been disconnected, and Evie is like, Mel, Brooke is my cousin. My mom is a crack whore.
1: What? Uh, Like, it's just no filter ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: Cynthia's like, okay, everybody
0: calm down for a second. Evie, is there another friend that you could stay with for a couple days because I think this family needs some alone time? And Evie is like, Cynthia, I am the one who's here every day trying to make the situation better. Ask Mel. I'm like, you are simply only making it worse. Mm -hmm. So Mason ends up leaving and they're like, it's fine. Like, you can go. We're going to talk to the girls anyways. Cynthia tries to talk to Evie, and Evie is like, "Wait, before I talk to you, are you a board licensed therapist?" While this is happening, Evie's phone rings. So Tracy like takes the call. She's talking to Conrad on the phone. I'm pretty sure they're talking about like meeting up at this party. And she's like, "Oh, if you bring the stuff, I'll give you a surprise." So back to the conversation with Mel, Cynthia, and Evie. Mel tells evie that cynthia has done a lot of great things for her and this family and tracy just pipes in being like oh yeah she's a psychic remember when you tried to bring back grandma and then like our dog ended up humping your leg and cynthia's like you know what i'm gonna go to work i should be selling houses right now she leaves meanwhile tracy is off on like some other planet she's like mom like do you want me to model my new thong it's perfect for pooping on the go and i was like what the fuck are you talking about so that's when mel notices something under tracy's shirt and tracy like aggressively tries to like get her to stop like don't look like it's fine it's fine and that's when mel finally sees the belly button piercing she's in shock she's like when did you do that and tracy is like oh the same time i did this and then shows the tongue piercing (sighs) Ah. And she's like, I did it like two thousand years ago. I'm a mummy. I was born two thousand years ago. And Tracy just like keeps getting in Mel's face and saying, "No bra, no panties. No bra, no panties." And I was like, so confused. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Is she like yeah, high? I think she's
1: just high and yeah. like kind of out of her mind and really hungry. Like mm-hmm. she just seems to be off. Off her shit. Yeah. So yeah, obviously
0: very scary for any mother to see their child acting this way.
1: So we cut to later on, Mel is having a cigarette on the porch and Tracy's father arrives. We finally meet her dad. Mm -hmm. Her father is played by D.W. Moffitt, who I like definitely recognize from other shows. I just can't think of them right now. Mm. Yeah, he's finally shown up and Mel is like, I need you to take her for a few days. Yeah. And he's like, I can't. Like, I have a business thing. Like, you know I can't take her. She's just like, I need you to take her for a few days. And he's like, I already said no. Like, can you hear me? Listen, I'll talk to her. It'll be fine. Where is Tracy? And Mel is just like silent. He goes into the backyard and tells Tracy that they need to talk. And he's like, I need to be upfront with you. Like, I won't be able to take you this weekend. And Tracy tells him that she knew he wouldn't take her. And he gives her this spiel about how he needs to do well at his new job in order to get her and her mom more money. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they haven't seen any money from you. Yeah. Like, they're always talking about how the check isn't in and stuff. And he drove up with a really nice car. Yeah, and he's, like, wearing a suit. He clearly Mm -hmm.
0: is doing well at his new job, so it's not like he's unable to provide some
1: funds. Right. So his phone rings. He, like, doesn't answer it. And then Tracy asks him if he remembers the last thing they did together. And his phone rings again, and she's like, just fucking answer it. So he answers the phone, and he's like, oh, I I can't right now. Like, I'm with a client. Um, I'll see you at the airport. Bye. And Tracy's just like a talk. And he tells her, fuck this work trip. I'm going to stay. But Tracy's like, just go. You need the job. It was really weird seeing this conversation because obviously they have a strained relationship. Mm-hmm. But I would have at least expected him to try a little harder. Yeah. Or do something. But per what Nikki Reed said like mm-hmm. this was her perspective as a 13-year-old. Yeah. And I think that she does have like at least a semi-good relationship with her father. Mm-hmm. Like she said that looking back she feels like she portrayed him as a deadbeat and he wasn't. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but I did also see a deleted scene
0: that I think would have provided like a little bit more nuance mm-hmm. in the movie. And it takes place like at the beginning before she's met Evie and it's when the mom is at the AA meeting and Tracy is babysitting Kayla and the dad like drops by to drop off the check.
1: Oh.
0: Like they have like a nice moment and he's like, oh, what are you doing awake? Like you should be in bed. Um, like here's the money and here's here's like a couple extra dollars for you guys. So I was kind
1: of like, mm. hmm, I wonder why they cut that. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. So Travis does go to leave and on his way out, he asked Mason if they're still on for surfing in two weeks. And Mason is like, dad, Tracy needs help. And he's like, can someone tell me what the problem is? Like, in a nutshell, you know, what's the problem? And it's just crazy because he hasn't been here this whole time. And he just steps mm-hmm. in being like, I can fix everything. You guys are just like all over the place. Yeah. And the fact that he wants to find out, you know, what's wrong with his daughter, like, in a nutshell, mm-hmm. it's more complicated than that. It's so yeah. much more complicated. So that's, like, infuriating. But mm-hmm. then out of the blue, Brady comes up. Barefoot. Buttoned down, shirt unbuttoned. Yeah, completely barefoot. Yeah. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> then he just, like,
0: goes up to Mel on the front porch Gives her this like toy cat tchotchke thing Mm -hmm. and then goes inside. So he's back, I guess. I I mean. Yeah. At first when he pulled it out, I thought he was holding like a pipe or something. And I was like. That's
1: what I thought too, because he's coming up barefoot. I was like, are they implying that he like relapsed or Mm -hmm. what's going on here? But he actually doesn't relapse in the movie. So I really didn't understand that scene very well. No, me neither. I was like, I feel like we're missing some
0: information and context. I don't know what's going on. And like the cat thing doesn't make, I was like, what is the significance of this? I don't know.
1: Right. But
0: he's back. That's all that we really know. Because later on we see Tracy and Evie like speaking in code. Um, There's a name for this type of like speak, but I can't remember what it is. But it's like, get a guy, get a guy, get a guy, like something like that.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's just like gibberish.
0: They then head into Mel's room where, of course, Brady is in bed with her. And Tracy is like, Mom, we have something important that we want to talk to you about. I think that I would get along a lot better with everybody if Evie lived with us. And Evie's like, yeah, Brooke, will pay you to take me. I won't be like all the other freeloaders. A.K.A. Brady and her friend, Bertie. Mm-hmm. And Tracy explains that Evie was abused. She was abused by her uncle when she was nine. And Evie says that he put things inside her and pushed her into a fire. Evie tells Mel that she could really help her if she lived here. Like maybe she could even save her. So Mel says that she'll think about it. And Tracy hugs her, says that she loves her. Pretty
1: intense ask. Mm-hmm. So at school, Mel, Mel has you know driven Edie and Tracy to school because she's always at their house. Mm-hmm. And Tracy's about to get out of the car, but Mel's is like, "Tracy, why would you put me on the spot like that? I can't reject her to her face." And Tracy's like, "I know, Mom," and kisses her goodbye. Like really manipulative. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. It's just, yeah. So later on in class, the girls talk about their grades, and someone asked Tracy what she got, and she's like, who knows, but my mom isn't getting a bumper sticker this year.
0: I'm like, remember just like a couple months ago when you were like, I don't want anything below
1: an A? Straight A's for me. So later on in Tracy's bedroom, we kind of splice back to the initial scene of the movie where Evie and Tracy are doing whippets. And Tracy's like, I want to bleed more. Like, hit me. Make an effort. And Evie just hits her so hard that Tracy falls on the floor. She, like, bangs her head. And Evie actually has to, like, get down on all fours and be like, Tracy, Tracy, like, get up. Like, Yeah. Basically shake her back to consciousness. Mel's like, hey, girls, the food's ready. And they have to, like, put on makeup. Mm-hmm. They have to, like, basically – cover all of the injuries like they have a busted lip, the bruises on their forehead, it's just like mm-hmm. insane. So outside,
0: Mel, Bertie, Mason, and Kayla are eating and Mel actually is reading like a newspaper clipping about Evie's uncle getting sentenced to 7 years in prison. So like, yeah, Mel says that Evie has been molested and abused by practically everyone who's supposed to be taking care of her and she has to do something. And that's when Tracy and Evie come out into the backyard, dressed up in these like costumes with feather boas and like tons of makeup and wigs and stuff. And they're like, "How do we look?" They're just like showing off their their costumes. And Mel asks Tracy, "What happened to her lip?" Because she ha- it's like pretty cut up, like it's yeah pretty noticeable. And Tracy is like, "Oh, nothing, nothing. I just bit it." And Birdie is like, "Evie, are you wearing my belt?" <laughs> She's like, yeah, I am. So, (laughs) yeah, bitch,
1: it's your (laughs) bell. Yeah.
0: Mel then walks into the house and Evie sits on Mason's lap, asking if he has any film and wants to take pictures of them. And he just says, no. Like any sort of interest or attraction that he had in Evie is long gone.
1: Done. So at school, Tracy shows up late to class again. Everyone has their. Habitat biosphere projects. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, shit, like the project was due today. Like, why didn't you guys call me? And Noelle and Yumi are like, we left you so many messages. We even left a note on your locker. Yeah. And Tracy tells the teacher that her phone has been disconnected because they're having family problems and lies and says that her grandma passed away. So the teacher sends Tracy to the guidance counselor. Obviously... Tracy goes to the bathroom instead, and she, like, kicks a trash can and sees Astrid, like, fixing her makeup in the mirror. And Tracy's like, do you want to go to the boardwalk and sell some shit? And Astrid's like, I can't. I'm late for biology. Tracy just, like, looks at herself in the mirror and just, like, stares at herself. I don't know. We, we haven't really talked much about, like, the coloring in this, of this movie, but they
0: use color in a big way for yeah. um to for storytelling purposes. And like before Tracy becomes friends with Evie, it's very desaturated, like
1: mm-hmm.
0: not very colorful at all. And then as she becomes friends with Evie, the tones get warmer and more intense. And then it's actually I didn't know like exactly at what point while I was watching it that it starts to desaturate again. Yeah. But I read on Wikipedia that it's during that scene where they are trying to seduce Luke that the color desaturates and continues to desaturate through the rest of the movie until the very last scene. Yeah. So that I think is definitely the, the disillusion point um, through the rest of the movie.
1: I can't remember if it's the scene where Evie is told that she can't live with Tracy anymore Mm -hmm. or if it's like the one after there was like a certain point that I remember distinctly where I was like, is my, thing in night shift mode like it just started (laughs) looking so gray that i was like holy Mm -hmm. shit but it yeah i guess it happens over time and you just kind of realize it when you realize it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean even looking at twilight clearly Catherine
0: hardwick likes to play with filters yeah Yeah. the (laughs) fact
1: that she i found out because i didn't know when i started watching the movie i was like this is like similar to the twilight filter yeah this is the precursor yeah
0: so after school. Mel picks up the girls and actually takes them to like Evie's house to Brooke and Evie's place, where she finds Brooke hanging out with again another young boy,
1: very weird. I don't know what's going on with the boys, like it's yeah, very weird. Mm-hmm.
0: So he leaves, and Brooke apologizes for not returning Mel's calls and says that she didn't want her to see her like this because like, oh my God. Brooke has a lot of bandages on her face. She's clearly recovering from some sort of surgery. And she tells Mel that they cut off her ears. So Mel is like, okay, girls, go wait in the car. Like, we need to talk. And the girls do not wait in the car. They literally just, like, stand around the corner to eavesdrop. We find out that Brooke had some plastic surgery to fix this, like, turkey neck situation that she was insecure about. And as a result her ears got kind of like fucked up because they had to find a place to put like the extra skin or something it's like a botched surgery situation clearly right yeah Mm -hmm. so she is pretty fucked up but in theory she's okay like yeah brooke is kind of a mess though she offers mel a beer but mel says no actually we're gonna split and then she tells evie that they'll bring her suitcase by later you know since brooke
1: is back yeah.
0: Evie's like, you're not going to adopt me, Mel? And then Tracy is like, well, Brooke is back. And this is the first time we've actually seen Tracy be like, yeah. I want to get her out of here. I think especially like that biology moment was a, a pretty sobering thing for her where she's like, oh, fuck. Oh, like, yeah. Maybe I do need to reevaluate my choices.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Evie is really upset by the fact that she's not going to get to live with Tracy and Mel. More, more so with Mel is what she cares about. And she gets really upset and ends up, like, running outside to cry. And Tracy follows her and just kind of, like, watches as she's sobbing. And, like, Tracy is staring at her. Evie is staring back. And then eventually Tracy goes back inside to leave with her mom. Yeah.
1: So at school, Tracy tries to go up to Astrid and Medina after school. But they end up just, like, hopping into a jeep with evie and a bunch of the guys and they all drive off without her and then tracy goes to a gas station and like tries to call evie and she's like evie like that was hilarious now come pick me up but evie like is like oh who is this and like hangs up on her
0: this part did remind me a little bit of my middle school experience because i too was like cut off from a friend group without Mm -hmm. warning Because basically, like, when I started middle school, I was put in a different class than, like, all of my friends from elementary school. So I didn't have any friends in my class. And somehow I ended up becoming friends with, like, the popular girls because they were in my class. And my best friend from elementary school, I guess, was, like, upset that I wasn't hanging out with them as much because, like, I had to make new friends in my class. So, like, I would – eat lunch with my old friends sometimes and then also my new friends. So she actually like messaged these girls and told them that I was only hanging out with them to get closer to like one of the popular boys, which was not true. And they they confronted me about it and they were like, are you only hanging out with us to be friends with this guy or like be closer to this guy? And I was like, no, that's not true. And they were like, okay. And then they never talked to me again. They like would hide from me at lunch uh, just, like, stopped sitting with me in class and, like, started bullying me. So I ate lunch by myself in the bathroom for, like, a month in middle school before the other girls in my class were, like, hey, do you want to be friends with us? And I was, like, yes. I'm
1: fucking um, begging out here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fucking for, fighting for my life out here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, that definitely resonated with me. And I was, like, oh, I know exactly how that feels. And it's so yeah. horrible to just be, like, suddenly cut off with no explanation. Yeah, middle school is tough. Yeah.
1: So back home, Tracy yells at her brother to get out of the bathroom. And as he walks off, he's like, man, I can't wait until you move to dad's. And she's like, what are you talking about? And Mason's like, I overheard mom and dad talking about it. So Tracy goes into the bathroom and like locks herself in there. She's looking for the pair of scissors she has been using to self-harm, but she can't find them. So instead, she grabs a razor blade and her like bloodied towel and ends up cutting herself but she cuts herself very deeply and she is like yeah in a lot of pain i thought she might pass out but she doesn't end up Mm -hmm. passing out um but mal starts like knocking on the door and she's like uh tracy like tracy and we kind of just like fade out the
0: combination of being abandoned by evie and then also hearing the news that she will like be moving to her dad's. I'm sure it's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of feelings of abandonment and not being wanted. So this is kind of all culminating in a, in a bit of a breakdown. So the next day at school, this scene also was like very confusing to me. Tracy is like running with her gym class and she stops to sit down for a second. And then these two girls come to her who we've never seen before and they just start calling her nasty, and they're like, oh, we heard you got used by Conrad's on by Conrad on the
1: stairs at this party. I don't think those girls go to school with their – No. Like, I think they're older, and they're yeah. just, like, basically stalking her. And Tracy's
0: like, that never happened. And they're like, well, that's what Evie said. And they start, like, pushing Tracy, and Tracy, like, pushes them back, and is like, you better not touch me again. Like – It gets, like, super intense, and it's – we, again, don't know any information about this. It just kind of, like, comes out of nowhere. And then some people, like, I guess either adults from the school or something, drive up on a golf cart, and they're like, hey,
1: what's going on? And then the girls run off, and they're like, this isn't over. And then we never go back to it ever again. It's kind of like – did you – I can't remember – If you ever watched Euphoria or you just know a lot about it.
0: I just know a lot about it. And I watched the season finale, the season two finale.
1: Because there is a woman who ends up pretty much like capturing Rue. And then Rue is able to escape. We never see her again. Yeah. Doesn't Rue owe her like a ton of money? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if we'll see her in the next season or what. But it's also, yeah, it's just like, What's happening here? Yeah. And the fact that
0: they were like, this isn't over. I was like, okay, so this is gonna come back around. No, it doesn't. That's something you can you can pretty much forget about. Yeah. So I'm like, why even cut this scene, put the
1: scene back in with the dad earlier? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Tracy does sit down with one of her teachers and she's like, Your grades are failing. Like you're you're not doing your homework. You're going to be held back in seventh grade. And Tracy is shocked. She did not think that she would be held back. Mm -hmm. And the teacher says that her name was also brought up in Impact Group today because Evie turned in her fake ID. So you can tell, like, Evie is trying to sabotage Tracy. Mm -hmm. And the teacher says that Tracy was one of her best students and her poem at the start of the year was incredible. Tracy just, like, stands up and leaves and decides to walk home. Um, that's when Brady drives up to her and he says that her mom sent him to pick her up and she's like, what's going on? I'm supposed to be studying at Yumi's house. And he's like, hop in.
0: Yeah. And there is like a tiny little moment that happens when he's driving her home where we see that, um, Luke's house is available to rent. (gasps) So he is like, I didn't notice that fled. And we also see her – we see Tracy wave at who I assume is Noelle's mom. Yeah. But she just, like, turns around and walks back inside. They pull up to the house, and Brady just tells Tracy, like, you'll be okay. Just go inside. So inside is Evie and Brooke and Mel, and they ask Tracy to sit down. And she's like, I need to go to the bathroom. Mel makes her leave her purse before she goes to the bathroom because Mm -hmm. Tracy does go to the bathroom and try and like sneak out the window, I guess, but it's locked. So on her way back to the living room, Evie comes up and hugs Tracy and she's like, they found my stash. I had to tell them, but like, I love you and just remember that you're my girl. Bullshit. Mm Mm-hmm. So they go back into the living room and Brooke dumps like all of this drug paraphernalia on the coffee table and Tracy is like, that's not mine. And Mel is like, she oh, – this poor woman. She can like barely even speak. She's just like, we found it. And Tracy's like, what? Like, speak up. <sighs> and then Brooke actually chimes in and is like, do not speak to your mother like that. And we found it stashed around your bedroom in all your little hiding spots.
1: Yeah. But I'm like – Ask Evie mm-hmm anyways.
0: So Evie is like Tracy, like I had to, you don't get it. And Tracy just like yells at Brooke about going into her room and Brooke says that she's lucky that she got there before the cops did. So Tracy then looks at the coffee table and she sees all of her cash mm-hmm. and Mel asks her to explain how she has eight hundred and sixty dollars in her purse.
1: Because obviously she didn't get it from Mel. And Tracy's like, mom, what do you want me to say? Like, we stole it. It's not like you ever have any money to give me. Yeah, Tracy kind of gets... Nasty. (laughs) Yeah, nasty. She's like, do you remember when Brady went to the halfway house? You didn't pay the phone bill or the cable. No wonder dad didn't want to be with you. You never even finished high school. And Mel's like, we don't have extra stuff, but we're doing okay. You know that you don't have to steal. And Tracy's like, you knew what was going on with all of the clothes and stuff. But Mel tells her she didn't know it went this far. And she gets really emotional and just, like, begins to cry. Mm. And Brooke gets up and tells Tracy that they'll be moving to Ohio, so she won't be seeing Evie again ever. And Brooke is like, Tracy, you're really cruel. You might be a sweet kid when you want to be. But right now, you're a really bad influence. You cheat, lie, steal. And then Mel does chime in and she's like, Tracy was playing with Barbie dolls before she met Evie. And Brooke accuses Tracy of beating Evie up because she saw the bruises from when they were both high, both hitting each other. Yeah. And Tracy's like, we were goofing around like she hit me too. And then Brooke grabs Tracy and pulls up her sleeve to show Mel that she's been cutting herself. And Mel is completely shocked. Like, that's – Brooke is awful. Brooke yeah. and Evie are both really awful.
0: Yeah. Like, obviously, these girls needed intervention. But, like, this is not
1: mm-hmm.
0: – this is not how you do it. And especially with something like
1: self-harm. Brooke is just looking for someone to blame. Because she's been negligent. Right. Brooke calls Tracy a cunt and Mel tells them to get out right now. She just kicks out Brooke and Evie. And on her way out, Evie's also like, I don't want to be in this fucking shithole anyway. It smells in here. She, It's just so transparent that she's like, would give anything to live there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Then Mel comes up to Tracy and starts playing with her hair like she did in the beginning of the movie. And Tracy's like, leave me alone. Mel tells her that she loves her and her brother more than anything in the world. But she's not going to leave her alone right now.
0: Yeah, she's literally like holding her because Tracy's trying to
1: like get away and crying. She is having a breakdown, essentially. Mm -hmm. and Tracy tells her that Mason said she wanted her to move in with her dad and says that Mel doesn't want her and Mel tells her she wants her dad to be in her life more and she wants her here with her and that she's her heart and she'll make it right and as this is happening like Mel is just holding her, trying to like play with her hair, trying to calm her down Mm -hmm. and Tracy's like it will never be right like get off me, stop holding me and Mel just like keeps holding on to her as she falls to the floor yeah
0: this whole scene is like so incredibly intense and like props must be given to nikki reed and evan rachel wood as such young actors they are incredible like it's incredibly Mm -hmm. gut-wrenching they did a really great job because this scene is like a fucking dagger it's really devastating So after this, Mel ends up putting Tracy in her bed and she holds her and she actually like pulls down Tracy's sleeve to cover up uh, her scars. This is when actually color returns back to the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a warm glow in her bedroom and Tracy wakes up in the morning with her mom sleeping next to her. Then the last scene that we have is we see Tracy on a merry-go-round at, like, a playground, just spinning around and round and round, and
1: she screams. She also, I think she isn't wearing black. She looks more Mm -hmm. like what she wore at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. This movie really wasn't what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. It was much more raw. I thought it would be a lot of shock value type. Yeah. And more of, like... I don't know if artsy is the right word, but it does almost feel like someone was following around a group of girls with like a GoPro or something. Like it just felt really raw and unnerving yeah, in an honest way. And even though there are extreme things happening, the thing that like really drawed me, or I guess rather the thing I really enjoyed about the movie was that the emotion was so present. Mm-hmm. It really felt like, when I was a teenager, making decisions, trying to, like, come into my own person for the first time mm-hmm. and just being, like, lying and being, like, terrified of things and trying to make friends with people I shouldn't be friends with. Like, mm-hmm. all of that felt really relatable, even though I I wasn't doing drugs or, like, having sex at that age.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, the a lot of the experiences that we see in this movie is not, like, relatable to me. It just, like, wasn't my experience at that age like personally the coming of age story that i always relate to the most is the movie eighth grade because Mm -hmm. that was very much me but the emotional core at what they're doing and why they're making these decisions like that i very much understood and whether or not you like made those same decisions or acted on those things those are still like feelings that come up when you are that age because it's hard at 13 because it is the first year of like teenage dem and there is so much that like goes into being a teenager because you are treated still like a child, but also you're kind of thrust into a more adult world because that's when you start getting exposure to more adult things like sexuality or yeah. experimenting with drugs, stuff like that, depending on your experience. And that kind of push and pull of like being still on the precipice of your your childhood that you've gotten to so far. And then this like new teenage world. Is a lot. It's very confusing. Mm -hmm. And I think that middle school is, like, a whole different beast. Like, people always are like, oh, high school, like, it was so bad. But I'm like, no, middle school was the worst. Middle school was
1: scary because it was also the time, like, I wasn't doing any of that stuff. But, like, I knew girls who were having their first sexual experiences Mm -hmm. or – like, talking to guys, saying, like, really explicit things. And I was, like, Mm -hmm. so taken aback, like, just completely out of my wheelhouse. And it was really, for me, scary in general. Like, sex is something I was terrified of. Mm -hmm. Like, it really, like, freaked me out in a big way. And the the movie is, like... (laughs) So terrifying when it comes to sex to, like, think that maybe, like, someone's daughter, like, is doing that. Like, to have a kid and be like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Like, no one is looking out for these kids except their guardians. Mm -hmm. And the guardians aren't even able to do that. Yeah. And then, like, also when you become a teenager is, like,
0: really when you – your body starts to become sexualized, whether you want it to or not – yeah, and so like seeing these girls getting like sexual attention from adult men is like it's crazy, horrible, but it happens, and it's like, oh yeah. So I I mm-hmm. felt like very anxious the whole time I was watching this movie. Totally, especially because now that you know I'm an adult, I can see like just how young they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I had watched this as a teenager, I don't know how I would have felt, but. I think going into it I did kind of expect it to be this like really salacious like more like glamorizing right me too movie but it wasn't Mm -hmm. that it was just like a really sobering look yeah a a snapshot into what somebody's 13 year old experience could be and so much depth was brought to these characters by both Evan Rachel Wood and, and Nikki Reed I thought that they were like so incredibly in tune with these characters. and I think so, yeah. Especially like Evan Rachel Wood, who is basically playing Nikki Reed in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. she was really able, able to like capture this very, very genuine emotion. Like, I was so impressed by her performance.
1: Yeah, she does an incredible job. I think also having a tight-knit relationship with the director, like the fact that mm-hmm. she wrote it with Nikki Reed, like, assisted the movie being able to be portrayed, honestly. Mm -hmm. Because if the story had been written and someone else directed it, like, gotten a third party involved, like, I just don't think the authenticity would have been the same, so.
0: Definitely. And, like, the fact that it is so low budget and it does have this really grainy, gritty feel to it and there is so much shaky camera work. Like, the movie feels very chaotic, but... Mm -hmm. I see that as akin to what it's like to be in the mind of a 13-year-old. Like it is very messy and jumbled and chaotic and things don't always make sense. Yeah. And there are like loose threads that kind of get dropped here and there where it feels like you're in like a 13-year-old's messy bedroom. Yeah. And there's just like stuff kind of coming out all over the place.
1: Obviously, I didn't have this type of experience, but I was definitely 13 and like my high school years, it was just mm-hmm. like a really hard time. Yeah. Like I had like just a lot of like depression and anxiety. And it was definitely scary for my parents and they didn't know how to deal with it. Like love them, like Mm -hmm. I love my parents, but it was a really tough time. And I think it's really hard for parents to know how to approach things that are happening with their child. Mm -hmm. Like it's very difficult and there's no guidebook, Mm -hmm. right? Like actual thing that's gonna be like, oh, this is happening solution B. yeah totally and like we see we see mel go
0: through all of that and just like not being equipped and not knowing how to handle Mm -hmm. this very sudden change because again this movie takes place over the span of four months oh
1: it's four months only i assumed it was the school year
0: well because the whippet scene
1: yeah then it it says four four months months. earlier yeah you're
0: right you're right Mm -hmm. wow and that's pretty much like the end of the movie so Yeah, it's an incredibly huge shift in her daughter's character over a very Mm. short amount of time, whilst also, you know, having a business, trying to make sure, you know, lights are kept on, food is on the table. She has another child. She has addiction. Like, there's simply so much that this woman is going through. And I know that, like, Nikki Reed said that she kind of regrets some of the way that she portrayed, like, her family. But I think that they do give a lot of nuance to – Mel's character. And I probably... I, I assume think so, that too. a lot of that would... Credit would probably go to Katherine Hardwick. Mm. Providing some of that more like
1: adult uh, perspective in it. I also think that Mel's character does have a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just me watching it now that I'm like 26. And being able to identify that. Whereas if I was watching it as a kid, I might be like, Oh my God, her mom is such a bitch. Right. like She never pays attention to her. But it's really clear to see... That she cares about her so much throughout the film, which I think would have just been a really – not uh, – how do I say this? I think it would have been a disservice to make Brooke and Mel not interested in yeah. their well-being.
0: Yeah, it's. I think also just like narratively, it's more interesting to see somebody who is making the attempt but falling right. short rather than two people who don't care.
1: Right, for sure. With that being said – I mean, what would you rate this wild ride? I don't know. I don't think that it's a movie that I would rewatch very frequently. Yeah, it's a lot. I
0: don't know. I mean, I'll probably rewatch it again at some point in my life, but I don't know if I would be like reaching to it because it is very intense. And I feel like I feel like I got a lot out of it in a first watch that I don't necessarily need to keep revisiting it. Mm hmm. But I did think it was really good. It was really unlike a lot of other coming-of-age stories that I've seen, again, because it was written from the perspective of somebody in it. I think I'm going to give it like a solid – like a 7, like a 7.5 maybe. Mm. Because I liked it, but it's just not like my type of movie necessarily.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I think I'm going to give it an 8. I think it's actually a pretty important movie to see. It just depends on your headspace. Like yeah. I think I would let my my not my kid, but I would let my 13 year old watch it. Mm. Again, it depends on your headspace, but I think if you're able to like facilitate conversations about things that are not as palatable to talk about, right. Then the kid feels less inclined to hide things from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's my little two cents. hmm so <laughs> i guess
0: that's it from us yeah we hope you enjoyed this episode and you know the the past few weeks of of new fresh reactions from us it's been fun to watch like new stuff oh yeah and actually next week before the start of rom-com february we actually are also doing another first watch
1: we are doing a first watch but It'll be for fall in love February. Yes. The ro- romance is in the air. So yeah, we're
0: very excited. We have a very fun lineup planned and yeah, we can't wait to release the episodes.
1: Yay. Well, with that being said, if you'd like to follow for us for more content throughout the week, you can follow us on Instagram at movies that raised us and you can always send us a good old fashioned email at movies that raised us at gmail.com
0: you can also follow us on tiktok at movies that raised us pod or follow us on twitter at mtru underscore pod and if you would like to listen to next week's patreon movie pride and prejudice feel free to subscribe on patreon it's five dollars a month and we have lots of fun perks so we hope to see you there yeah i'm mo and i'm christina and our theme song is by garrett schmidt Bye. bye